Hello and welcome to the latest interview special edition of the Popcorn Muncher podcast. I am Tom Beasley, the editor of the Popcorn Muncher, and this week I got the brilliant opportunity to sit down with uh, Hanan Majid and Richard York. Uh, they run the production company Rainbow Collective and also a brilliant initiative called Films for Food, where they put on uh, free screenings of usually documentary films, although they have also done screenings of films like uh, I, Daniel Blake. And uh, this, these screenings work in that you don't pay for your ticket, but you bring a bag of non-perishable food or other items to be donated to a food bank. Uh, they work quite often with First Love Foundation, which uh, runs a food bank in Tower Hamlets, uh, and also various other food banks in London. They also have a partnership with the East End Film Festival, where they run big screenings there, which also raise an awful lot of food for food banks. It's a great initiative, so it was really cool to sit down with these guys, talk about how they got started, their uh, their ethos behind the whole thing, and their issues with the kind of political system of today, as well as the film industry. Um they have, as you're listening to this on Thursday when I put it out, they have a screening tonight, uh, which I would urge all of you to go along to if you can. Uh, it's at Hub 67 in uh, Hackney Wick, and the film they are showing is uh, Belonging, The Truth Behind the Headlines, which is a documentary about uh, three decades worth of industrial disputes, discovering where power lies in the UK. It sounds like a really interesting film, and it's a really cool idea that's definitely worth supporting. So... Bring some non-perishable food items or other things, so sanitary products, toothpaste, deodorants. Bring that sort of stuff along. Head over to Hub67 tonight. Uh, all of the details are on their Twitter account, which is Films4Food, the number four. And I'll also put a link to the event page in the description. Uh, but I would urge you all to go along. And if you need a little bit more persuading, here's my chat with uh, Hanan and Richard. It's really interesting, so I hope you enjoy it. I'm Hanan Majid. I'm Richard York. Uh, we run a production company called Rainbow Collective and as through Rainbow Collective we run the program which is called Films for Food where we do screenings of uh, feature length documentaries Some t on occasion sometimes we'll do films and instead of people paying for a ticket they bring food they bring non-perishable food which gets donated to a food food bank it's, it's a great idea. So kind of how, how did it all come about? When did you start it and what drove you to get it going? Uh, so we started it in, what, about three years ago now? Four years. Is it three? Four, four, three, four years. years ago. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty interesting because we, I, I was listening to a podcast at the time and it was, it was a football podcast and on it they had this guy who, was, who had this uh, scheme called Footy for Food. And what he was in, you know, what, what they were doing was they were organising five-a-side football matches in, say, for example, Oxford Street or you know a, a, an area like that. And to and to take part, you you just all you need to do was bring non-perishable food, and you, your team can take part. So we came back, me and Richard chatted, and we got in touch with the guy who actually runs Footy for Food. We got him in for a meeting. Richard Lowe. Richard Lowe, yeah, came in for a meeting, and we said to him, look, here's our idea. You do Footy for Food. Uh, we'd be interested in doing films for food. Uh, we'll use the same concept you are using. He absolutely loved it, gave us the blessing, and says, you guys go, just roll with it. Right. And, and the interesting thing is, is that whilst we've been running ours, his Footy for Food was running, and then he actually, event we just met up with him recently, and he's moved on to doing some other things. He's working for Comic Relief now. And so Footy for Food's not running, but he's really pleased that Films for Food is running, because in, in a way, that's his legacy. He's been able to. That's continued. He's passed the baton on, and we're we're doing films for food. So that's the background to how it got created. 
And uh, do you remember what the first event you did was? What yeah. the first film you showed and how that did? Yeah, so uh, we were filmmakers ourselves. And so we, the first few events that we did, we screened our own documentaries just because it was easier to, it was easier to you know, get access to the films. And what we were doing more was we were trying to create partnerships with, uh, with venues. So our first screening was at the Rich Mix in, uh, in, uh, in Shoreditch in East London. And we did. That's where we did our first event. Yeah. Was it Massey? It was Massey Bat. Yeah. So it was, fil- yeah, it was a film called Massey Bat, which we uh, we shot over five years in Bangladesh, wow. and it looks at uh, kind of childhood in Bangladesh, growing up in 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 uh, around the garment factories, but also the 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 communities of the home oh, uh, uh, homeless kids. Um, the street kids on the stations, uh, people are working in the, the rubbish dumps picking stuff up, but then also the, 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 the young people who managed to get into school as well. So it's a film like a tapestry of, of stories looking at childhood and education in, in Bangladesh. So we thought it's quite a good fit and it it's kind of relevant to what's happening now as well, I guess, that we were making those films and that me and Hanan talk about a lot at the moment, how when we started making those films, and we've done a lot of work in Bangladesh and in South Africa as well, in the townships there. And the social issues which we were covering abroad, the most, what we consider to be the most pressing kind of international social issues, have now become more and more common here in England. And this, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that we would have ever expected. You know, when you think that there's going to be an equalising of... Uh, you hope that there'll be like an equalising of the richer countries and the poorer countries. You hope that that's because the poorer countries get brought up to a, a certain level of, of accountability yeah, as well in the workplace and education. They come up to a certain kind of parity of income. But it's, it's, it's kind of gone the other way around. And it's the, the kind of rights for housing, rights for education, rights to health, rights to uh, you know, uh, employment rights are, are all plummeting in this country. So... That's one of the reasons why we started engaging with the food banks because that's one of the most visible signs of what's happening. Uh, so there's kind of it, it matched up quite well, really, looking at some of the films we've been shooting from a few years ago internationally to start supporting uh, some of the. But I tell you what was the kind of for us was the turning point that you know it was luck that we had we listened to this podcast and there was you know Richard Lowe was on there talking about Forty for Food, but you know we started learning about food banks when. A million people started using them so all of a sudden you know I remember seeing a Daily Mirror headline it's like a million people are using food banks and it was at that point we, you know we were thinking what can what can we do as our skills as filmmakers to highlight this and that's how everything just tied in to actually think okay why not run a regular rather than just do a film or a campaign video which which is which is you know the life expectancy and that might be pretty short Whereas if you're able to sustain a film program where you say, okay, we'll do monthly events, then, you know, every month you can do something where, you know, you're raising food for a food bank. And I think what's interesting and what's nice about it as well is that, you know, everybody, the filmmakers are doing something positive. You know, the audience that comes before they come to the screening, they're going to go shopping and they're going to be buying food for somebody else, knowing that this is going to feed somebody else. So they're, they're going to come to the event and feel positive. Because these movies, are, they're quite often pretty negative. Or bleak uh, sometimes. Bleak, yeah. yeah, bleak's a better word than negative, I suppose. Mm. Like, 
a lot of the kind of feature documentaries that are on the circuit, the kind of films we get in, they, they can be quite heavy, the subject matter, a lot of them are about these big international issues or about small local issues, but of, of great importance. And that kind of heaviness, it can sometimes leave an audience feeling quite powerless, right? Like you, you go watch this film and it might have inspiring elements, but a lot of the time the audience will leave these feature documentaries feeling like what can you do against like all of this this yeah. this this heavy stuff that's going on in the world but then by actually having this uh this 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 positive aspect of knowing that you're actually doing something that's going to immediately benefit someone in your community and that through the act of watching that film and turning up to a a, a communal screening you're actually making your own bit of positive change which counterbalances some of the the heaviness of the of the subject matter mm. and, and how important is it to you that, that the films you show have the same sort of social conscious that you guys have in in running the project, I guess? I think it's, it's it, I mean, it's just the way that we are. The films that we're drawn to are dealing with these types of subject matters. So the films and what we find is that the audience that comes comes to our events, you know, they pretty much think the same as well. So, you know, uh, if, if I just think about some of the films that we've shown, you know, they're all dealing with big, big issues. You know, uh, we just, just, just the last screening was uh, Concrete Soldiers, which was about housing. We just did, we've just finished a mini season on housing. We showed another one called Dispossession, which is about housing around the whole of you know the UK and Scotland. It's like how to change the world. How by to Jeremy change the world. It's about yeah. the, how Greenpeace kind mm. of got started and fell apart. With the divides yeah. as well, which is a good one about the the rich poor divide in yeah. in England and America. Yeah, uh, and sorry. And then we showed a documentary about Grenfell, and this was a different because this was a short documentary, but we did. It was a. I think it was one of our most powerful screenings where we had the filmmakers come down. We had uh, ex residents from Grenfell who took part, and we had, you know we had current residents. I think were in the audience as well. We had a, a spoken word artist, uh, a good friend of ours, and a regular collaborator called Porton Whisper, who did a spoken word performance about housing. And we had the guy who organises the silent marches, which happens on the uh, which happens every month, on the fourteenth on the fourteenth of every month. And uh, he came down and took part in a talk, and it was the talk was. It was, really ex it was an extended discussion, so the film was only half an hour, but the talk maybe lasted for about an hour. And it was just such a powerful event. And, you know, we had, it was the last event of last year. We had a huge amount of uh, donations for it as well. So, you know, it, it shows you can mix it up sometimes, you know. Sometimes you might have this big feature, feature documentary, which is, you know, done the festival circuit, but then sometimes you just saw some grassroots films, you know, where people might not get get the opportunity to see them that easily. Um, and even if you do, it's expensive. Like, whether it's the the films that have had a big release or the more grassroots ones, you're generally your only opportunity to see films like that. And especially, you know, we always have the directors come down by like nine times out of ten for, for the films for food events. The directors will come down if they can't make it in person, which usually they can be, if it's a, say if it's a film from the States and they're not in the country, uh, they'll do a Skype Q&A and stuff. Mm. And to access that kind of event you, you've got to go to like you've got to go to the Curzon or something like that you've the got Barbican, to pay like Barbican you've got to pay, pay so much money for I've just paid for, for a few of those film. events yeah. they are yeah. <laughs> yeah. even just watching a movie at the cinema it's like yeah. it costs you like 15 18 quid something like that like 
we can't even afford that. Like, I can't afford to yeah. go to this. The, the, Especially the if you're a family with kids. Yeah, 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 looking yeah, yeah. At, it's not, it's not by, an option. By the time you've bought all your tickets, all your drinks, your popcorn, your babysitter for the evening, perhaps, you're 100 quid down just yeah. for a trip to the Easy. cinema. Exactly. And it's, make, it's making the cinema kind of inaccessible. So that's part of the other thing with films for food is like, even if you're only just going to bring like a bag of sugar or something or a packet of biscuits, it's, it's, it's fine. Like, you can bring what you want, but you get to see really like the top, the top end of the, the of the of the documentaries which are which are coming out, whether they're big ones or small ones. Just last month, uh, sorry, in February, we we screened uh, uh, an award-winning documentary called National Bird, and the director Sonia was was in town from America for this. So it's a really unique event. You know, this is a a documentary produced by uh, Wim Wenders, produced by Errol Morris, like your father of documentaries. You know, it was played at Berlin Festival. It's played at countless other festivals and you know she was she was in town very supportive of the event and you know very supportive of the screening and this is what's interesting as well that you know the filmmakers that come to the screening and they come take part in the event they absolutely love it they love taking part in it and then they become advocates of films for food so Sonia for example the you know director of National Bird she's been going around in the states telling other filmmakers that this, there's this great program happening in the UK, take part. She's already connected up with those other filmmakers who are keen to show their films. So that's one of the, the other positive things from it, you know. And this is what we've been trying to do is that, you know, filmmakers, get filmmakers to get engaged with this issue, which is food banks. And, you know, it's such a big issue. What can you do about it? Well, we can do something small like this. But, but the good thing is, is that if we've got, like, 20 bags of food that'll probably feed like you know 30 40 people it could do you know it can provide 30 40 meals at least mm, so then all of a sudden you realize that you'll leave that screening knowing that actually some people are going to have some food you know some people who are going hungry who are struggling at the moment you know go, they're going through a rough patch and it is at that moment they well they're not going to be going through a rough patch they're going to have something nice to eat and then maybe being able to have something nice to it will mean that they can concentrate on other things and on concentrate on getting themselves out of that rough patch. So for us, it's just, it's just a all around very positive thing to do from every aspect. You know, you know, even 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 the venue, they're doing something positive by opening up their space. So whether it's the Hub Sixty Seven, which is our regular venue in Hackney Wick, or whether it's the Rich Mix, who have done events with us on quite a few occasions, or the DIY space in Southland, or the Cinema Museum in South, you know, in 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 Elephant and Castle, they're all taking a hit, but they're doing it for the right reasons because they know we want to, they want to do something positive for their communities as well. And I guess sort of this is something the film industry is kind of coming into now. So I, we were having a brief chat before this started about how kind of uh, leftist political issues and socially conscious mm. political issues aren't that prominent in films. Mm. I think the only major example recently is something like I, Daniel Blake, mm. which was a huge success, but only in the sense that a British independent film can be that level of success. It wasn't mm. seen by everyone. Yeah. Um, so I guess how important is it for, for projects like yourselves to get the word, word out for these sort of films that perhaps people don't get the chance to see? Mm. I mean, yeah, it's, I think there's, there is like a kind of... There has been... A, a level of, of apathy I think in in the arts in the kind of the liberal uh, ed, you know well educated or conventionally educated middle classes like when it comes to film music fine art like there's been a certain kind of self-indulgence I guess letting things slide through the kind of 90s and then the turn of the millennium 
of feeling like you know stuff's all right you know everything's things are okay in england things are okay in western europe do you know what i mean the, the the social security systems are kind of holding people have got kind of enough money people the employment unemployment's not too bad people f- were feeling quite comfortable and now it's kind of things have things have been changing these last few years you know i hate the term austerity because i think it's a th- I don't think it's the right word to describe those kind of cuts. You know, mm. austerity is voluntarily giving up luxuries. What we're talking about here is is like these violent cuts where the poorest people in society are having st- essentials taken away from them. But you know, what's co- what people call austerity, for example, since that's been biting at the same time as the continued privatization of of all of our uh, our public services, and now the rise of the right across Western Europe and Eastern Europe and America, there is a shift now. I think, you know, filmmakers and musicians and, and artists are starting to, 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 to maybe switch on a bit more, but it's quite, it's getting quite late in the day for that to yes. happen. So it's, <laughs> it is important to try and like encourage people to watch stuff that is socially engaged and films that do have a, have, have something important to say and something constructive to lend, you know, part, alongside our own, uh, our own kind of documentaries that we make, our own feature docs and stuff. We do a lot of teaching, a lot of working with young people in 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 Peckham, like around South London, also in Bangladesh, in in Turkey, in Cambodia, like all around the world. We're working with young people in some quite marginalised communities. But what we always teach is that like your film's got to have a story but it's got to be a really about something mm. right your your story is your text your film it always has to have a subtext which is bigger than the text itself it has to be about something it has to serve a purpose it has to make the world even in a little bit it has to make the world somehow better by its existence right and if you get if you make that the your central uh your core belief when it comes to producing films you're always going to create things which are beautiful and meaningful and powerful and it's incredibly important to us and that's what drives us in our in our teaching as well as in our kind of distribution mm. yeah absolutely i mean it, it's 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 a really good message to go out there and have and to be kind of waking people up and i guess that's that's the sense that there is this shift happening is there a sense in your book of of almost sort of countering a narrative when so much of our media is dominated by right-wing voices, by a, a very few right-wing voices with big, loud voices. Is there a sense that things like this are countering that narrative and trying to get the other side out there? Yeah, I think th- things like this, and I also think, you know, one of the things, you know, this, if you look at, if you look, say, stateside, you know, one of some of the pro- programs that I like to watch and I think they are countering and it's not in the it's not in the film industry but it's in the TV industry so if you look at people like Steve Colbert or if you look at people like uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, Trevor Noel from The Daily Show uh, people like this they're on every single day and they're every single day they're countering this negative this narrative that you're talking you're, you're talking about and slowly you are getting to see you are slowly starting to get to get to see some films, and you know we had this discussion before that you, you're having to read into the subtext. Mm-hmm. So whether it's you're looking at Star Wars, which is all you know, it's you know, it's 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 it's, it's a film with which the heroes are, are are female, which is which 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 is great, or whether it was last year with Moonlight, or you know, there's you know, there's slowly some of these films are starting to come about, but I do think. 
like you said, like with I, Daniel Blake, you know, you just need to have some of these films which are just there. It is there. There's no subtext. It, it is what it is. You know, this is what it's about. This is this is what's happening in Brit Britain now, and we're trying to address it through a film. I think that's what I, Daniel Blake, did. There's a lot of subtext in there anyway, mm. but the actual main text of it is it is obvious. This, yeah, you know, it's good. It's in your and face, it's, and it. it we, we did a screening of I, Daniel Blake, didn't we, at the Cinema yeah, Museum was, in, was, in Elephant, which is actually under threat of closure at the moment, which is, you know, something which we think is like, pretty shocking because it's, it's one of the most special places in London for us. Mm. It's, it's certainly, like, among the best, if not the best kind of venue for screenings mm. anywhere in the city, and it's being closed as part of the kind of continuing gentrification of, of the Elephant and Castle kind of area. But anyway, digression. Mm. But um, we did a screening of I Daniel Blake there, and it was it was just it was packed like it was sold out or sold out, you know, fooded out or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they um, it, we had hun hundreds of people turned up for it. We had like yeah, hundreds I and think, hundreds of yeah. kilos of food got got donated. Um, and it's a it's a great film. I mean, personally, like I think one of the most impactful films is, and it's 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 not even a subtext thing, but it's like with Black Panther coming out. Mm. Just to kind of go on a bit of a, a tangent about that, which I think for all of the positive change that can come out of your your kind of more earnest uh, left-wing films and stuff like that and campaign-based films, seeing what Black Panther has achieved, like, on a classroom level, actually mm. in a... on Like, in, in, in a schoolyard, right? In a classroom, in a education system which in in England and America is so it's still so colonial the mm. entire process of teaching especially teaching of history is is it's 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 so colonial there's still a very unconscious I'd say it's changed away from the systemic racism like what we still find in the police here in in England you've still got that an outright systemic racism in the classrooms it's it's not really that extreme anymore, you know, it has softened, it's more a lot of unconscious, but there's still a lot of unconscious racism within the school system, and it's felt by the, 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 the majority of, of young black kids, young Asian kids who are studying at school are feeling this, this unconscious kind of systemic racism. And a film like Black Panther to come out and to transform, like, the... the, the how do, it's, diff, it's a difficult thing to, to, to put into words, but the the perception of black of having black characters in fiction as heroes, not as sidekicks mm. and stuff, as positive figures in fiction, in something which is as mainstream as that, where kids who are playing in the playground they want to be they want to be taken mm. on the role of a, a strong black character, and what this does for like race dynamics in classrooms and 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 and, uh, and playgrounds is absolutely huge and probably one of the most kind of socially impactful films of a generation despite just being like a total cheesy yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of a Marvel film. It's so much about exposure isn't it? So you talk about Black Panther, you know, it's something like the seventh or eighth highest grossing film yeah. ever at this point. Mm. So Wonder Woman was the same with sort of feminist issues at its heart. Um, I, Daniel Blake, just a small thing that um, the Odeon cinema chain does its unseen screening thing where you pay a fiver or whatever yeah. and you go and see not knowing what it was and that was Daniel Blake. So you've got all over the country mm. cinema screens full of 150, 200 people watching this film yeah. who probably wouldn't have gone to see it mm, off their yeah, own yeah, back yeah, yeah. so it's and perhaps as a result of that perhaps as a result of the kind of discourse it created 
that film, you know, became massive. I was watching The Last Leg the other week, and I interviewed Dave Johns from I, Daniel Blake for mm. his new film, What Like a Panther, and I said this to him. I was watching The Last Leg the other week, and Stephen Fry was on, and he made an offhand reference to people who'd been affected by the cuts, and he said, oh, it's the Daniel Blakes of the world. Mm -hmm. And for the film to have entered the conversation, mm, that it could yeah. be used as that kind of yeah, shorthand, yeah, yeah, yeah. is really interesting. So it's so much of it, I think, must be about just getting people in to see these films. Mm, yeah. Because the message is, whether it's our Daniel Blake or Black Panther, that if the films are there, the people will come and see mm. them. So and it's got to be accessible as well, mm. that's the thing, you know? And when you, when you say something like Black Panther, it, it, so many people to watch went to watch it because it was in so many screens at the same mm. time. Like like yeah, I Daniel Blake did become really popular because it it ended up being in so many different screens because it was it, it just kept expanding. It just didn't kept it? expanding. Yeah. yeah. So it didn't it didn't do your usual independent film route, you know. Mm. Whereas the films that we're all talking about and that we probably all go to, like mm. in London, they might only be like. Ten cinemas that I'll be showing them, if, you know, and they, and they, and they only then only show them for a week at the most, and that's it. Like Black Panther will still be at the cinema if you go now; it'll still be showing there. And that's what I Daniel Blake did as well, though. That was that's what was great about that. You know, they they did they did have a brilliant release, and it was pretty much in the cinemas all the way up to the DVD release, mm. which is which is rare, Very which is, which is e even for the biggest films. That's rare. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> It kind of comes down to it's almost like just the Marvel films, and yep. for some reason, The Greatest Showman is <laughs> in cinemas right up until it's a DVD release. So I think you're right. So much of it is about getting these films onto screens because, like you say, it's, it's easy for us to sit here in London and go mm. go and see all these films. Yeah, They're great, yeah. but if you live so where I used to live in Coventry, quite a big city, mm. nowhere near an independent centre. No, exactly. So yeah. you can't see anything unless it's a blockbuster. So something needs to give. Mm. For these films to be available to people who don't live in London or Manchester mm. or, or perhaps Birmingham. Yeah, but there is a you can see there's a desire for the change that people are wanting, mm. starting to want to see, and the change that people are starting to demand in in their own community. That's happened because of what's happening mm. in in America and Europe. That is leading people and driving people mm. to want to see representations of that on screen films, which are demanding change, whether directly like I Daniel Blake or whether more kind of uh, symbolically like Black Panther or whether it's just in terms of casting choices mm. like stuff like Star Wars like the newer Star Wars films mm. where people are saying have always said oh you can't have like uh, women you can't have yeah. black actors taking lead roles because it's not bankable yeah. but all of these these are all well different. that narrative disappeared yeah, yeah, that's exactly, the narrative yeah. that's been there for decades that, yeah. that, that, that narrative does not stand it never stood mm. and nor should it ever stand well you anymore. hear it all the time when there's all these controversies mm. about people you know whitewashing films yeah. like the one I always remember is the Ridley Scott Exodus film mm. where he you know cast white people to play mm. these Middle Eastern characters yeah. And the argument he made was, I couldn't have got any money to make the film if Christian Bale wasn't in it. Yeah. But now you look at you look at these Star Wars films and you look at Black Panther. Yeah. And, you know, people will have gone to see Black Panther who didn't know anyone in that yeah. cast. Perhaps, yeah. perhaps Michael B. Jordan, but no one else. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or you know, uh, 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 is it, uh, uh, Angela Bassett's in it, right? Mm. But but really, you didn't. Or Forrest Whitaker's in it. Yeah. I had to look up who the main. You know, what's his name? Chadwick. Chadwick Boseman. I had to look up because I was like, yeah. what has he done? What has he done <laughs> yeah. before? He's so eloquent on screen. He's great. Like, what has he done before? And and there's the British actress that plays his sister. Letitia She's amazing. Yeah, I only. She I think I saw her for the first time in that most recent series of Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. Yeah, Black yeah. Mirror. That's and I'd never seen her before, and she's fantastic. 
in Black Panther. She's, she's like is. the only thing I could talk about when I came out of Black yeah. Panther. But it is, it is like, you know, we've always been told they're not bankable. You know, this is why they say, you know, when Idris Alba was even, I don't think he was even considered. I think someone just threw that rumour in there that maybe he's going to play James Bond. And the amount of stick he got, is, it's horrible. And, it, and, and it's like, well, actually, well, I think if he did play a James, James Bond, I think he'd be really good. And Fantastic. guess what, I reckon, it'd probably, it'd, 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 pro it'd probably be a hit as well if he did play James, James, James Bond, you know, because he, he, he is great. But, you know, I think all of that, that's got to change. And I think what's going to be interesting now off the back of these films is to see what happens in the industry. Because what, what that film showed you is, and I guess in, uh, Wonder Woman did the same as well, you know, in that... Give 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 them a chance, like so. You know the the uh, the director of Black Panther, something Kruger, uh, Ryan Coogler, Ryan Kru Ryan Coogler, and you know give them a big give them a they gave him a big budget. He took he got an all black cast and delivered an amazing film. Mm. The same with Wonder Woman, you know she you know she she give, got a big budget and this is you can't give a female a big budget like that. But <laughs> guess what? What did she do with it? You know DC films been pretty rubbish. Yeah. This was their first. <laughs> First actual, not just not just critical, not just a, a financial hit, but a critical hit as yeah. well, you know. And I just hear that I think it's uh, uh, Ava. Uh, yeah, she's she's doing the new DC film now as well, is, which yeah, is going to be on the back is, of a wrinkle in time. Yeah, which is going to be I a massive was, budget. I think she was the first black woman to get over a hundred million dollars to make a movie. Yeah. For a wrinkle in time, which is madness. Yeah, and and it was interesting because just just a couple of weekends ago, the number one and number two film were directed by black actors, a black directors, and you think, wow, we're in two thousand and eighteen, and the film industry has been running for a long time, and only now this has happened. But you know, industry's got a you know, we we talked about politics before, but I think before that, industry's got to really deal with diversity, like. You know, there was there was a video on uh, on Twitter where where somebody what 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 they'd done is they'd gone through all of your big films and they'd they'd put together the moments where you had non-white actors. So Lord of the Rings was just like a couple of minutes long. <laughs> Harry Potter was no, no Lord of the Rings not even a couple of minutes. It was probably about a minute because the black actors were the orcs. There was a couple of scenes with orcs and them. Saving Private Ryan, they edited the men out of it. It was just a shot of the flag. <laughs> <laughs> the credits. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, like, Lord of the Rings, I'm sorry, what excuse have you got not to put a black actor it's a fan, in? It's a fan, yeah, it's a fan. Exactly. Yeah. Harry Potter, what excuse have you got not to put a black actor yeah. So many films, it's not about, it's a movie. Forget authenticity, it's a movie. It doesn't need to be authentic. It's, you know, it's not real. You know, nothing is real in this, you know? So why can't you, why can't you put uh, 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 non-white actors in? Because they're there. So at the moment, British black actors and Asian actors are going to America and smashing it. Yeah. Really, they are. They're going there and they're doing great. Oh, look at what Riz Ahmed's doing. Yeah, look at Riz Ahmed. Just look at Riz Ahmed. Like, look, look, look at what he's doing. He's in the new Spider-Man. <laughs> like, is it Venom? He's Venom. in the Venom film. He's done quite a few of the films. That series, The Night Of, was brilliant. Yeah. He was great in it. He totally brilliant yeah. in the Star so, Wars I mean, yeah, he, did, he did Rogue One. He did the last Bourne film. Yeah. He's done. <laughs> like, yeah, that's it. He, was he getting the opportunities here? Let's be honest. Well, he, he wasn't. He was doing the. He was doing the little microwave films like Shifty. You know, that's you know. He was. He was doing other 
smaller independent films. He, uh, you know, four he, Lines. Before he did Four Lines, which is really good. That's a great film. That's a brilliant <laughs> film. One of my favourite films that he's been. He's a he's a uh, he's a he's a brilliant actor. This this British film industry, you should look at him and cherish actors like that. But nah, they can't make it here because we just want to make bloody period films. You know what I mean? And what happens when you make period films? You isolate these actors, actors of colour, you're not, you're not invited to this film. You can't be in this because this is a period film. We've got to be authentic. Authentic, my ass, man. You know, I'm was sorry it, was to it, say it, that. The, the, where there was the, uh, was it Wuthering, Wuthering Heights with the, and the, the, the one time there's this kind of departure and the, there's the Black Heathcliff. Mm. Um, and it's been forever known as, oh, it's the one with the Black Heathcliff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, this is, is such an anomaly to have, you know, to, to have like a, a black character in a period yeah. job. Oh, that wouldn't have happened back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's like, you know, even we're trying to do our bit through the films for food. Whereas, you know, this year we've, you know, we're, we're trying really hard uh, with uh, the films that we choose that they're directed by females. So at the moment, the first three films that we're show, we've shown this year... The first one was National Bird, the second one was Concrete Soldiers, and the one we're showing Belonging, The Truth Behind the Headlines, all directed by females. Now, we might, it might not be that the whole year will show every film directed by females, but it's going to be a majority, That's, there's no doubt about that. And the good thing is, is we've got directors who are supporting us and says, I'm going to find you films, I'm going to help you with this. Because it's not easy for us, because we're running this production company, Rainbow Collective, you're seeing here, we've got, you know, this is an, you know, on the, on the computer, one of our feature documentaries is getting edited, you know. We've got another feature documentary which is actually about food banks. You know, off the back of doing all of this, we've got such a great relationship with food banks. And the food banks have asked us, why don't you work on a food bank film? And for years we've resisted. And then recently we thought, no, actually, I think, I think this is the time. We should be working on a food bank documentary. So that's another thing that we're doing, as well as just day-to-day -day doing our, you know, our day-to-day -day Rainbow Collective work. You know, we have commissions, we have youth projects we're working on. And in between all of that, we're trying to find films. And now you, who are, you know, who are a film journalist, you know it's not easy to source films. Mm. It's not easy at all, not, especially when you haven't got money to pay for them. <laughs> You know, and so, so, you know, we've challenged ourselves by saying, yeah, we will, we will do all of that. We will source the film, but we're going to try to highlight direct, the films directed by female because they're all out there. There's plenty of films out there. It's just getting them for free. I've got to say that, like, in particular, like, Met Films and Dartmouth Films have both been like really great they 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 they've, they've been really supportive of films for food, yeah they? definitely providing the films yeah, like wa sure. waiving screening fees and, and stuff they, like and that they come for the events and they always come yeah you know, like the directors right. and producers yeah. will always be but down I there can, to, i can give to, you to, to three examples of uh, i think crystal heard from dartmouth films you know he's you know one of the most celebrated producers of documentaries in the in, in england you know, and uh, he, whenever we do a screening of his document, he'll come down for it. it doesn't matter. Yeah, it was a big, and I remember, it's just like in a, some of those, it was been a cafe or yeah, something, wasn't yeah, it? Like in Cafe Seventeen Eighty Eight, and he'll come down for and, it. And I remember that screening. It was like the weather was horrible. I don't know if it was a blizzard. It was either raining or it was snowing yeah, or yeah. something. He's, he was like, "I'm coming down for it." He came down, and I think that's lovely to see that these these filmmakers who have got really busy lives, they're always working on projects, but they. They, they've totally engaged with the idea of Films for Food. You know, if you were to look at our Twitter stream once, you know, for example, the guy who did uh, a Syrian love story, 
you know, his his team, they're always so supportive of films. Always, you know, if whenever they get the chance, they'll tweet about it. They will have to kill us first. The the filmmakers behind that, they will always tweet about us. Even if their film's not showing, they'll tweet about what's happening. Mm. And it's a really lovely way of, you know, hearing, all, getting all these comments from these filmmakers, you know, and they're really loving this idea and they become champions and ambassadors of it in their own way. Because it's small, so we need we need these people. You know, we need the East End Film Festival, we need Hub 67, the Rich Mix, we need all of these filmmakers to be, you know, to be like pushing it and supporting and telling other people that, you know, have you heard about Films of Food? We've got a big thing coming up at the East End Film Festival, which is going to be with the... Uh is that part? yeah that is in the that is in the program already isn't it that not the film but the, there's the films for food closing the eastern film yeah Festival. it is yeah, yeah sorry i was just saying it there's like oh hang on is that not going <laughs> no, out no no it is it's gone out it's gone out yeah. in the newslet newsletters it's gone yeah. out in the programs like, all, yeah, all, let's let, let's talk about that partnership a little bit how did your partnership with the eastern film Festival so first get started oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah, great yeah, that's a good story we've been eastern film festival and and rainbow collective we've been working together for yeah it's gone probably a decade now, isn't it? Yeah. So we started off by showing our own documentaries there. And then we did uh, presentations of some of our youth projects. And then over the last few years, you know, before the festival starts, months before the festival starts, us and Alison and the festival team, we always have a sit down, chat about things and chat about what can we do this year? What do you want to do? And they're always really supportive. We've had something in there, like, yeah, every, every year for a decade, really, yeah, whether it's one always. of our own films, that's films made by our students, or more or recently, like, films, film, for, food, films yeah. for food, where we have a regular... But, so, yeah, so we've always, you know, we always, you know, at the moment, you know, for the last, you know, however many years we've been, do, we, we, you know, we've, been, we've had this relationship with them, and it just keeps building, it's getting stronger and stronger, we're always wanting to do stuff, and, and it's really nice because every year they want to go bigger, they want to do something bigger, so at this year's festival, you know, as well as doing the Films for Food events, they're going to have food bank stations, wow. where people can, you can go to the, you know, you might go to a screening of a premiere of, you know, one film but at, at, at the venue they'll have a food bank station where if you want to drop some food off you can just drop some food off that's great right, which is great throughout, throughout the whole festival yeah and then we're going to be closing the the festival as well so we've got the closing night of the film festival is going to be uh no they've not decided on the film yet i know that's it's not yeah. the, the film's not been decided yet but it's going to be in spitalfields market it's again they get a big screen there and Oh, oh, it's, it's a great it's, atmosphere. It's, it's a brilliant, yeah, you were telling me that atmosphere. last year you did something. So last year we did a screening of uh, uh, West Side Story, and it was pretty interesting because it was uh, it was like a couple of days before the election, and me and Richard we were like. We're not going to be political. We're not going to be political. <laughs> and then we got on the stage and we were like, "We're going to be political." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said something about the conservative government because. Seven years of conservative government has resulted in food bank usage seven years ago was 60,000. Check this out. Food bank usage seven years later is something like well over a million. We're talking about 1.3, 1.4 million. Had to say that. Yeah, it's crazy. And then Richard delivered an amazing speech. <laughs> and uh, then we had the director of First Love Foundation Food Bank. And like that's our, our regular they're partner. Our they're our like our family too. They're like, we're, we're all a big family. We, that's who we support, you know, with all of our films. Of food, screenings. food Bank, it's, yeah. First Love Foundation. Uh, that's who we support with our uh, screenings in uh, in East London. 
she delivered an amazing speech without actually saying vote for one side or yeah, the other, but yeah. she did say, have a think about who you vote for. Yeah. You gotta go, because they're a charity. <laughs> East End Film Festival's a charity. It's like, got to try and make it not too political. It was so funny like to see Alison's face. Alison and Andrew was there at the time, their face when we started talking about politics. Was like, we didn't go, we didn't go to... And then we did the screening of West Side Story and it was brilliant. I tell you, we there was... About 400 people turned up, everyone donating food. We had these big tables lined up. You know, I posted some videos online about it. It was just beautiful. It was like, you know... How much food did we raise? As I well? think on that, uh, the, uh, we did a screening of that and we did a screening of Chi Chi Bang Bang for, Bang Bang for families. And between them, I think we raised 300, nearly 400 kgs of food. So that was just... In, it was, Great, yeah. it's really, that's, really that's, great. That's but you know, Alison's really determined that we beat that record. Like she's very determined. So it's twenty eighth, isn't it? Twenty eighth of April. Twenty eighth of April. Closing, closing, closing of the East End yeah. Film Festival. So it's going to be, so, it's gonna be special. Website, yeah, yeah. it's going to be really special. And uh, but yeah, no, that's it's, it's you know we're really fortunate to have this relationship with them. Uh, they're they're a great team, and they they really want to do some positive things for the community that's that's what's great again, you've got them. like in london you've got like the london film festival but it's like you know i find I mean? the london it's film festival not that accessible it's, it's, if i be honest it's, 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 it's really aloof the tick the, the tickets are really expensive really expensive and personally i think it doesn't like don't like dissing them too much but it's like it's it doesn't for me have the the feeling of of a true film festival it's a it's a brilliant program of films but whether it has that energy which you get if you travel out like, here we've been at film festivals all over the place with our with our own movies and that energy which you get when a when a certain area or neighborhood has been taken over by the festival and you just is is brilliant and you get yeah. the filmmakers mixing with the public and you and the eastern film festivals it's got that and it's really that's what, for me like i'd consider it, like the biggest the biggest and best film festival in london like yeah. might not have the money of the bfi one but that's just a load of films all in the cinema. The East End Film Festival is, a, is like a true, uh, a true film festival. I mean, especially with, so the London Festival, the London Film Festival is kind of like, it is like you say, it's just films yeah, in a cinema sort of dotted around yeah, the Leicester Square sort of area. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's not quite got the energy of like a music festival, for instance, where everyone's in the yeah. same sort of area and they're all together. Or it's not it's like, like, it's not like Doc Fest Yeah, that's or whatever, what I was like, about yeah, to say, which totally feels like a festival. The thing is, is that stuff like Doc Fest, and we've been to loads of festivals where, you know, like Cape Town Film Festival, Durban Film Festival, which was, which, you know, uh, we were at the Turkish Film Festival presenting then. The thing is, is that for those festivals, you get a lot of people that go there and the hotels are nearby. So everything's kind of like, you know, there, uh, suddenly a community of filmmakers and a community of uh, film lovers are in the same area. Whereas because uh, uh, the film festival, uh, uh, the London Film Festival is kind of, is scattered around and it's, it's, I don't think you get that type of energy. You, I don't think you get that type of crowd yeah, it, coming it's, in. It's great films, but yeah. the energy is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's an interesting one because that one, that festival is competing with like your Venice, your Cannes, your Toronto. You know, it's around that time. It's, yeah, yeah. it's part of it's part of the awards season films. Isn't it? It's the, it's the later of the ones. Yeah. If, but if they've never really honest. managed to break through to that but level, have they? But, but you know, it's still uh, the programming is just brilliant. I have Perhaps to say. it's because they're sort of at the end of the mm. season, so. Mm. 
the amount of world premieres they have is less than yeah. sort of Venice yeah. 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 something like that but yeah like a, I think the programming is really good I think there's other things that they, that they can work on whereas the Eastern Film Festival I think I've, I think it's a lot more accessible I think that I think the venues are really great as well, you know. The everything's is fantastic. The energy is really fantastic. It brings in a really young crowd as mm. well. Because London Film Festival, because it's the big films, isn't it? It's the big films with the big directors. Yeah. Whereas Eastern Film Festival, it has its big films, don't get me wrong. But it also has like really new and emerging, you know, filmmakers mm. get this opportunity to show their films, which is really great. Which means you bring in a young a younger crowd they've got well. the cutting east as well which is actually like that's, that's one brilliant. of the highlights and then everyone should is, is listening should they should have a look on the east end film festival program cutting east is like the youth festival which it runs like it mixes sometimes it runs parallel to it and sometimes it runs like at different times but it's um i think this year it's running actually it's, within, it's the within the festival again this year. and it's run by a kind of committees of young filmmakers and young kind of film reviewers film a journalists a couple of them are, are yeah, students ex students who <laughs> are involved with it and they just put on they put on really great stuff usually over a, a long weekend mm -hmm. like really interesting really cutting edge films a lot of it made by either made by young people or on the issues that would be programmed yeah. by young people mm -hmm. rather yeah. than the the older bunch i think a lot of the time they are made by young people i mm -hmm. think a lot of the time the films are made by young people and that's that's on that weekend of the uh, 14th as yeah. well at rich mix yeah. so that's really it's worth getting just to meet the team that yeah, puts yeah. it together and, yeah and that's the the other thing with east end film festival that's so good like alison poltock who runs the the festival she she'll always be around the screenings mm. as well like she'll always be there like introducing the films or chairing the q and a's mm. and you know meeting the people who are going to see the films as well and that that adds yeah adds that to the, the festival kind of the, 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 sure. the vibe of the festival well actually you might as well throw in we're doing on, on the 14th we're doing a, an event about uh housing activism where it's going to be a, a, a mixture of and it's going to be at the rich mix it's going to be screening of uh, documentaries it's going to be case studies it's going to be a panel discussion it's going to be oops I'm listening <laughs> wow I don't even know what set her off you've got to be even, careful I've told you I don't even know what set her off the mics are always switched on they're, they're always going to go these settings and, and, did you yeah. see that you want to restrict you want to restrict the access I don't know <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how how so my phone just turned on <laughs> by itself. Siri just turned on. Wanted to join in the conversation. Yeah, I, thought, yeah. I, I think it's cause maybe because you said the date or something. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe yeah. It's, it's linking you to your diary. But yeah, I'll, as I'll go, I'll go back to that. April the fourteenth is an uh, it's a it's an event on housing activism. It's going to bring together activists from around the country, uh, especially in London. Uh, it's, there's going to be screenings of documentaries. There's going to be panel discussions. There's going to be case studies. Spoken word. There's going to be spoken word performance. There's going to be a special performance, screening and performance from the young team at Voices That Shake, who are doing a, they're doing a presentation on uh, gentrification in London, and then it's going to be a big networking event with music. So it's like it's all about you know housing, you know. There's going to be a special uh, screening of a documentary uh, about Grenfell. Failed by, failed by the state. Failed by the state, and we've got the filmmakers coming down for that as well. So it's going to be a really special event. It's really it's looking at like the positive, like, <laughs> there's so much like nightmarish stuff happening in London around housing, whether it's like everything from, from the, the, the atrocity at, at, at Grenfell uh, through to the kind of constant gentrification and social cleansing and 
people being pushed out of the neighborhoods they've lived in for generations just to make way for more like chocolatiers and like kind of um uh, like wanky barbers and stuff with distressed wood floors and all this kind of nonsense like from one extreme to the other and it's we're trying to look at where the activists in different ways have achieved different different things from like the Haringey crew who like they they, they actually have, have managed to kind of unseat members of the council in order to halt the development plans in in Haringey or the the really inspiring guys at Grenfell who organized the silent march and and are kind of occupying spaces for the community and taking an incredibly peaceful non-violent protest kind of way of of responding to like the greatest act of violence that's really happened in England or been committed in England you could say in a in a very long time there's the Ledbury um the Ledbury action group and the Ledbury estate where Hanan's actually um was a resident where the community used uh social media closed networks mobile phones to accumulate evidence and data record council meetings which could then be used to bolster the campaign before using the social media to look outwards mm. and bring in the mainstream media and each yeah. one of these is a different positive way of of engaging with this system and fighting against those powers that are trying to 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 cleanse yeah. some of the, mm. the, the the greatest neighborhoods in london so this is like movies uh, yeah, poetries, performances, music, and then Pot a chance Pot for all these people. Poet Whisper is going to be there, yeah. gonna be the, um, and a chance for them for all of these groups to actually come together and then spend a couple of hours with members of the public and other campaigners and activists to really like discuss how things have worked, what's worked. So it should be a really like a really empowering evening, and then mm. the. The Cutting East youth films are downstairs yeah. as well at the same so time. What, what, so it would be great if people can come in and out. Yeah, you know, oh. go to go to the screen, go to the youth films, That's come to, come to some of the talks, go back to the, go go back to some of the youth films. So it's on a Saturday, isn't it? Saturday, it's on a Saturday, Saturday, Saturday yeah. the fourteenth. Saturday evening okay, it should be. Yeah, uh, that sounds great. Well, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday tomorrow yeah. when this is going out on Thursday. Yeah. So, as people listen to this, you have a screening tonight. We have a screening tonight, yep. So, <laughs> tonight is the screening of a film, of a documentary called Belonging, The Truth Behind the Headlines. And the filmmaker, Morgan Livingston, is going to be there for the, uh, to do a Q&A with us. Uh, the venue is the Hub 67 in Hackney Wick. And we're raising food for our partners, uh, First Love Foundation, which is Tower Hamlet's food bank. Uh, it should be you a really can find nice it on, all the infos on like rainbowcollective.co.uk. Yeah, so. yeah rainbowcollective.co.uk, uh, Twitter handle uh, at TRC documentary or at films for food, the number four. And yeah, you'll find all the information on there. Yeah, we would love to have people come down for There's it. There's the link nice. there, so it's good to book a ticket in advance. Yeah. Like, so even though you don't have to buy a ticket because you're just going to bring your food or not just food as well, like really important to have like. Um, women's sanitary products, stuff like toothpaste, that. Toothpaste, toothpaste nappies, like toilet paper, yeah, yeah, that's things like always this, think deodorant, of, yeah. all of these things would be great. You know, a lot of the time people might just think, oh, I'll just get beans and pasta and things like this. Yeah, and that, those, there's nothing, everything is a good donation, really. But the things that food banks struggle with are some of the toiletries. You know, we've, me and Richard, when we embarked on this journey with Films for Food, we wanted to learn more about food banks. So we went and volunteered with uh, uh, First Love Foundation Food Bank, got to get an, get an understanding of how they work. 
we volunteer with Pekin Food Bank, and we, you know, to see how they, to see how, to, to get an understanding of how, how they work, how they distribute the food, who do they work with, and yeah, these are some of the things. And, you know, one of the, just, just, just to add, one of the things that we always hope with our, our screenings is, is, isn't just like you watch the film, you donate food, but we always, always think that it's a great opportunity what if that an audience gets to learn about what the food bank is and what does the food bank do we always talk about it a little bit at the beginning of each event but what we always hope is that we make people aware of where the food is going in the hope that they will then go home go online and think oh first love foundation who are they what do they do and they and from there you'll learn about the amazing work that these food banks like every food bank that we've worked with just do brilliant work and a lot of them a lot of them just selfless the people who are running it are just volunteers and they just want to do something positive for their community. And what people have got to realize, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there when it comes to food banks and who are the ones using food banks. And, oh, yeah, we don't want to support someone who's just endlessly using food. It doesn't work like that. Food banks is just three-day parcels. So you can't endlessly come. It's, it's, it, what it's there for is to support someone who's actually in dire straits at that moment, who really need a helping hand. And then and helping them out of it with like helping whatever the case is as well, like what left them in that situation and try to work through that with them as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's what the food bank does. It's not just food. Like, it's not just food. It's if, you, if you're having problems finding a job, if you're having problems with the benefits, you know, Universal a, a huge percentage of people who are on food banks is because of they're having problems with their benefits. It's not because they've suddenly become poor, it's because suddenly they've been sanctioned or suddenly they move from being on a normal benefit system to universal credit. Yeah. And now when you're on that, when you move to that system, it's an eight week wait sometimes, eight week to 10 week wait. You know, at the moment we're doing a little mini series of uh, guidance videos for you on universal credit just to help people to navigate through this pathetic system that's there called universal credit. That's really putting people in real, Hardship. Put people on the streets. It, it, it really is. You know, they, you should look at, when you look at people on the streets and you learn about universal credit, the correlation is there. It is because of stuff like this. You know, it's, it's such a stupid idea, universal credit. It really is. But it's happening. And we as filmmakers thought we, will be, we want to be able to help people na you know, navigate through this. So we've talked to the best experts we could do to give guidance to how do you how do you navigate through this and this series is coming out very soon you know it's just, it's, it's it's there uh, you know just and hopefully people are able to use it and they're able to get some sort of some sort of uh, uh, help from it but uh, but yeah you know that's uh, going back to what I was saying that's what the the food bank doesn't just it's not just about giving out food it's about doing all of these things you know first left foundation i think they were saying in 2017 they were able to claim back I think it was about a million pounds in uh, rent from the benefit system because that's how that's how much pe their their their, uh, uh, their users were were owed. Do you see what I mean? Could you imagine the amount of people that what that is? So that money's just there, yeah. but it's just been held by the DWP. And people don't know how necessarily to fill out their form or to access the money. They don't realise that they shouldn't have been sanctioned or whatever. Or they've got this back pay which yeah. they're owed, like. And it's the, the, the food banks where it's handing out that emergency food. They chase down that they chase down that money and they make sure it goes back to the people it's meant to be going to. So they do it. It's such an amazing service. And like Hanan says, you should, anyone should just like try and take a look at First Love Foundation, Pecan, or whatever the food bank is that's in your just area. find your local year, food so. bank. You'll always find one. I and just do what you can to help out there. Definitely. Well, yeah. They always need extra.
extra hands. You know, volunteer, give food out. You know, my daughter's school, uh, Pilgrims, where just a quick little shout out to them. Uh, because we, we run films for food, they wanted to do their own events, which is really okay, sweet. Yeah. So last year when we did a screening of I, Daniel Blake, in the build-up to the screening, uh, the school council did a films for food uh, event and they raised food and they connected it to the I, Daniel Blake screen. So with the screening that we did at Cinema Music and with the food that the children raised, we raised nearly 500 kgs of food in wow. between them. And then just just uh, maybe about a month ago, they did a screening of uh, Trolls, a film <laughs> of food, and the whole school got involved. The whole school got involved, and uh, and it's great. Yeah. And this is what we want to do now. This is how we want to push films of food. Is that we want to get young people and schools involved. We want to do some little events like this because it's, it's very easy to organize. We don't even, we don't have to be there. We can just give them the idea and say, this is how we do it. Here's the food bank. We'll connect you guys up. Just run it yourself. You know, and you know, this is a, a way where we can get people, young people, older people, film lovers, do something, getting, getting them to do something for their own community. You know, all in all, it'll just benefit everyone, it'll make everything just that little bit better. Well, I think that's a lovely point on which to end. Thank you, both of you, and uh, good luck with the event. Oh, Anyone us. who's around, I would urge you to go along to the event tonight and uh, support any future Films for Food events. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. So that was Hanan and Richard, I'm sure you'll agree, a very fun and very interesting chat. Films for Food is definitely an initiative worth supporting. I mentioned at the top of the show their screening tonight of Belonging, The Truth Behind the Headlines. All of the information is at Films for Food on Twitter, and I'll also put the uh, information in the description of this podcast. Uh, but thanks very much for listening. If you want to listen to more of our podcasts, please subscribe via SoundCloud or iTunes. We are the Popcorn Muncher podcast. You can also find us on uh, Facebook, where we are the Popcorn Muncher, on Twitter, where we are at Popcorn underscore Muncher, and on Instagram, where we are the Popcorn Muncher. But for all of our information, all of our reviews, news, all of these podcasts, head over to thepopcornmuncher.com. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll speak to you again soon.